0: Welcome to Journeys with Kai. Um, thank you, Jonathan and Ben, for joining me on my third episode. Um, so Journeys with Kai is a podcast where I take two people I know that I consider like to have some sort of success at a young age, um, and then I pair them off with someone they usually you know, don't know too well, but I think they're sort of similar in some aspect in their success or in their like side interests. Um, for you two. Uh, and I know each of you like from very, very varying degrees, um, but I definitely respect and admire both of you guys' um, ambition and accomplishment in sort of the corporate role, especially in um, like the tech industry. Um, and I think both of you guys have lots of experience, especially for your age at some like major companies and just sort of interesting positions at those companies um so with that in mind could you guys just do a little intro about yourselves um you can start it whenever around college is usually a decent place to start and then you know your professional experiences and all that um so ben do you want to go first
1: yeah for sure so hey everyone i'm ben sklar and i went to vanderbilt university vandy and i double majored in computer science and MHS, which stands for medicine, health, and society. And originally I thought that I was going to be a doctor. So I started off pre-med and then realized I didn't want to go to medical school. And I knew becoming a doctor would take a really long time. (laughs) I I just ultimately didn't want to go that path. So computer science became my primary major and focus, but I kept the MHS uh, piece because I had already finished a lot of the requirements. Um, so yeah. Uh, after that, I started looking for jobs, I guess, um, towards the end of school, and I was trying to figure out whether I wanted to be a software engineer or a product manager, and I realized that I, I really wanted to be a product manager, but breaking into product management um, is is pretty difficult, and there aren't a whole lot of product management jobs, especially for new grads, so I was fully expecting to be a software engineer after college and then make the transition into product management. Um, But I feel like I got, I got really lucky. So I found a program um, at SAP, which is where I currently work and they were doing a rotational program and they had software engineers, they had designers and they had data scientists as well as product managers Mm -hmm. for this rotational program. And I applied to be a product manager and from the beginning they told me it was, it was very unlikely. Because they were looking for, you know, people who had masters, people who had more experience. And they were only hiring three product managers for this program. And they had like 3,000 applicants for it. Holy cow. So, yeah, I I got, I feel like I got really lucky when it came to everything. And, you know, I, I got that job and it was the only, it was the only product manager, like interview that I had coming out of college. Wow. That would actually interview me. I applied to some other programs like the Google program, the Facebook program but I didn't get an interview there at all. So I had no chance at all. So, um, and I, I got a few other you know positions to be a software engineer, but being a product manager right. was was what I wanted to do. So yeah, I took that role at SAP and I'm still at SAP as a product manager. I work at SuccessFactors, which is our, our SAP's cloud HXM platform. Mm-hmm. And I work on our recruiting software, which is kind of cool because yeah. everybody, everybody has to apply to a, a company before they right. get into it. So it's, it's cool to be uh, on the, you know, working on recruiting software. Yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> that's a little bit about me. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. We'll definitely do a deeper
0: dive. Um, when I was, and just like a quick thing out when I was just applying for a new position, I also did, I did this two year rotational program, um, in more of the, like the software engineering space. But I was also looking at some product management jobs and I was speaking to my brother-in-law's sister who was a product manager, seeing how I could like, you know, uh, sort of make my resume more product manager-y than, you know, sort of techie. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely go into that bit a little bit later. But yeah, Jonathan, do you wanna go ahead?
2: Yeah, so, uh, hey guys, my name is, uh, my name is Jonathan. Um, I also went to Vanderbilt University. Uh, I majored in computer science and I had a minor in corporate strategy, which is basically business. Um, and uh, kind of differing from Ben, uh, I kind of knew I was going into tech at like 15. So uh, <laughs> both my parents work in uh, the tech space, so I was kind of always around it. And so uh, I went to like an engineering high school and my junior year, I ended up taking, um, I think it was called computer integrated manufacturing. So mm-hmm. got to see some like... like the tech side of um kind of like the uh or like the mechanical engineering type uh you know industry um and area and that was really cool just trying just seeing kind of how tech works with like hardware Mm -hmm. um and so that kind of I don't know kind of made me interested in in tech and so my senior year I basically was like you know I want to major in computer science when I go to college so you know, when I got to Vandy, um uh, first first year really, uh I started looking for positions. So my spring semester I took the first uh CS course. Uh I think it was intro intro to C S or intro to programming or oh, I don't in,
0: know. in Java, right? Yeah, it yeah.
2: It was in Java, yeah. So the intro class, I took that. Um and after that I started applying uh to places and i applied to several places but i ended up landing uh at deloitte um in an internship and so that first year i was in uh data management so that was right after my sophomore or my freshman year um i was in data management yeah it was cool just kind of seeing the ins and outs of you know a big organization Uh, I I met a lot of people, networked with a lot of people, um, and uh, that first year really wasn't too technical because, you know, when you finish your first season, (laughs) right, you don't really know much. You think you do, but you really don't. Uh, So it was a lot of learning, um, and that was really cool just to kind of, you know, get the hang of it. And so then uh, I ended up... um, interned that fall with another team where I did, uh, it was at Deloitte as well, in the finance area. So I did some, um, some visual basic Excel programming. It was a lot of like importing data from SQL into Excel for like finance teams to be able to kind of better, um, track, I guess, you know, where money was going and kind of what was going on there. Um, and I did that during the fall of my sophomore year. And then after that, I, I reapplied again to Deloitte, and and next summer I came back and um, <laughs> I ended You're up a lifer, dude. Uh, <laughs> in automation. A so, um, and that that was a great internship. You know, it was really fun. I actually was automating user interfaces, and um, you know, it was a great, a great, uh, great summer. Just learned a lot about you know how to make things better how to implement software um, in a way that's going to make everyone's life easier and I think that that kind of made me like technology even more because that's kind of that's where like my passion lies is just making people's lives easier with technology or you know making um, protecting people with technology you know doing things that just help people um, you know through that and so you know after that summer um, I ended up applying again, and then I came back. The next summer, and I was actually in cybersecurity, so I was in technology risk management, Um, and it was great just seeing, uh, you know, how how organizations uh, operate from, like, a cybersecurity perspective, just seeing kind of how they, you know, have these different standards that they have to meet that kind of help keep all their software secure, keep the system secure, um, and just make sure that everything's running smoothly and that, uh, you know... Basically, we're not getting hacked. Uh, that's
3: the
2: big <laughs> thing in cyber. So, um, and, you know, after that summer, um, I kind of fell in love with cyber. So I was like, man, you know, I really, really, really want to do this. I think this is where I want to take my career. So, um, you know, I ended up getting an offer at the end of that summer. Um, and the next summer, so after graduation, um, I graduated May 2019 with CS degree. After graduation, I came back um, to the Lloyd. I started in July. Um, that's where I work now. Uh, I came in actually as a business analyst in cybersecurity. So I was basically helping cyber teams uh, onboard their projects, making sure that uh, you know the project managers were uh, you know carrying the project in a way that was going to meet uh, the <laughs> client's requirements basically um and so i did that for three months and then i ended up moving into a more technical role which is where i am now i'm actually an associate cybersecurity analyst in cyber forensics and investigation so um a lot of my job is uh protecting the firm's assets so um a lot of insider threat protection so um you know making sure that um basically people within the organization are not putting us at risk Um, and if they are you know Going through and, and mitigating that risk, getting rid of that risk through um, you know things such as scripting um, and just kind of using uh, other searching techniques um, technical searching techniques as well to do that um, and that's a really fun job. Okay. Uh, and then also within my role, I also do some uh, some process improvements, so I've actually built two web applications for my team um that kind of just help us kind of view data better some data that's in. Dashboards. that we have to yeah dashboards data that we need to kind of know and check on just makes our lives easier so you know that's a like i said that kind of helps because automation and cyber together those are kind of the two areas that i really really enjoy so really can't ask for a better role there but uh yeah that's that's my background and uh yeah so
0: yeah thanks Um, and then as like cyber security, is it a lot more like is a lot of your time or your team's time spent in like preventative measures, or is it more like reactionary, like oh shoot, we had a breach?
2: Yeah, so, um, not necessarily a breach, but, um, you know, someone could, someone within the firm, they could sense is doing something maybe that they shouldn't be doing, um, or you know, offloading data to an external location, which Mm. is a big no no for any company because you know you don't you want to protect your firm's information um so things like that you know we'll get an incident like hey you know this person has been offloading external data we need some uh we may need some of their emails or something just to see what they're taking you know off the network or anything like that um or you know i may get called in as well to get rid of some confidential information from a client that's in our systems or something like that um anything related to that and there, and there are incidents that come in. So it's just, you know, it could happen. Um, you know, one day you may have 10 incidents one day you may have like two. Um, we work a lot with lawyers within the firm. So Mm -hmm. we provide them with the information they, they need to uh, carry out these investigations just to make sure that, um, you know, there's no legal risk there and nothing that's put in the firm. uh,
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So like internal lawyers that are like serving like the company's needs in terms of protecting their employees and stuff like that Mm -hmm. okay gotcha yeah it's super interesting my like new jobs in like sort of the security part of oracle's cloud and like i think we're doing a lot of similar stuff in terms of like security and trying to make it easier for people not to break like secure practices and stuff like that
2: yeah and that's definitely necessary that falls in line with um Kind of like the tech risks thing, where you're yeah. using a different standards. I'm sure you all probably have to follow different, you know, coding standards, right. things like that, to make sure that you're, you know, keeping things safe. Is that is that what you are kind of doing?
0: Yeah, like, kind of. Uh, we're on like a new team, so I think we're still sort of, or at least, man, I'm still I'm new on the new team, so I'm uh, still learning. You know, the scope of our work, and also learning like what's publicly available and stuff, since it's a new team and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then shifting over to Ben. So you said you worked on a uh, human resource management system, right? And uh, re- I guess they're both human resource management ones. Yeah,
1: <clears throat> yeah. Like I mentioned, uh, currently I'm working on our recruiting software. Um, but the part of SAP that I I work in is SuccessFactors, which is okay, right. our human. Like experience management, or you could you could say HR or human capital management. Mm. It's kind of they're all sort of synonymous, um, right? Yeah.
0: And so that that's also geared for internal users, right? Like when you think of the customer, are you thinking of like the people using that system, or like the applicants or
1: whatever? Yeah, it it definitely depends. So there's different personas you can think about. So when you're working on recruiting software, you have recruiters who you know they're trying to find. Um, people to to hire, and then also candidates. Yeah, so I, I actually work a lot on our externally facing recruiting software. So software that um, you know applicants use to apply to SAP and for our customers who are using our software. So I have to kind of think about all these different groups. So not not just internal facing users, but also external. And I think that's it's actually um, sort of a unique thing at SAP. Most of our software is all internally facing for our customers. So once our customer gets our software, it's only the internal people at that company using it. But for enterprise. Yeah, enterprise. But the software I work on can be accessed by many, many millions of people. I mean, potentially every human on earth, right? So you got to make sure that everything is working really well. It's accessible for anyone, people who are blind, people Mm -hmm. who have cognitive disabilities and all sorts of things so that yeah so that anyone can use it and there are many countries with laws that say that you know if the software isn't accessible then you know we we could be sued as a company because Hmm. we're not providing accessible software so it's a big focus too
0: yeah so i guess us isn't one of those countries
1: no um (laughs) Not as strict as some of the other ones. I think it it depends on the country. Um, I know from kind of personal experience, Canada is is pretty strict on accessibility. I
0: see that. Okay. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. And sort of along that same line, is that sort of more customer centric or user centric perspective something that drew you towards product management, or why did you even want to go towards that route?
1: Yeah, definitely. So there's there's a few reasons. Um, One of the big reasons. That I, I really like interacting with customers, finding out their pain points, and seeing what I can do to improve their software. And I love when customers come to me with a problem, and then I can try to figure out a really elegant solution to that problem, and then bring it into the software. And a lot of times when I, you know, improve our software, it's not just ideas from me, it's mostly right. ideas from our customers. And then it's also ideas from our engineers and designers. So it's like, Sure. You take everyone's perspective as a product manager, and then you try to um, figure Synthesize. out what's, yeah, yeah, what's the quickest, most elegant solution, but something that also is what the customer wants. You got to balance because you can you can build this amazing thing that will take you know a year of engineering capacity <laughs> right. that solves the same problem as something that could take say a week of work. Sure. So you got to make those trade offs, which I, I also really like figuring out. You know what should go in the product. And I remember, so I've had some internships as a software engineer and I've been on teams and I've also worked on like full stack applications as the only software engineer on the team. Mm. And I realized, oh. yeah, so I realized when you're kind of working on your own project, you have a lot of say into what right. you do. But when you're on a big team, you, as a software engineer, you don't always have a lot of say. <laughs> yeah. You're kind of told what to do sometimes. And I realized I, I liked having that, that voice. And so that kind of also led me towards product management, too.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, And then I know going into product or project management, um, you don't necessarily need a CS degree, even if you're on, like, a technical team. So how do you think your CS background, and I guess MHS background, (laughs) um, how do you think that helped you on your job, or do you think it really, like, didn't really matter?
1: yeah so for me, I think it helped a lot and it continues to do so. and I know many product managers who don't have a technical background, and I think a lot of times that can that can be a problem. Um, so when you're a product manager and you don't have a technical background, you don't really know how long things are going to take so you can you can ask an engineer and they can give you an answer, but you' have no way of knowing whether that's actually realistic or not. And a lot of times I'll have meetings with product managers who will claim something, you know, could be, take a really long time, but being a former software engineer, I know that certain things should not take a long time. And if they are, then we have a different problem. Either, you know, we're not getting bad information from an engineer, or maybe um, our tools are, you know, need improving or -hmm. something like that. So it definitely helps me know how long things will take. It It helps me know whether engineers are kind of being honest with me, And it allows me too to help the engineers and kind of propose different ways to to Mm. go about things. I can directly tell them like, try this, try this. This is what I would do if I were trying to solve this. And I wouldn't know any of that if I didn't have that CS degree background, so.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that same sort of question for you, John. So how did um, your education play a role into like the professional work life? And did you, end up using a lot of stuff or some things that you learned from school or is it more just like the problem solving aspect?
2: Yeah so um, when I first started uh, in the business analyst role um, I would say that not all of my CS knowledge really was was used really at all. Um, It was basically all business. I really wasn't doing anything technical. Um, there was one project I was working on where I was analyzing some data. So that that was helpful um, because in CS, you know, you kind of have to analyze the problem and yeah. figure out, um, you know, what's the best way of going about it. So uh, I think that the in that role, the thing that I used most was my ability to uh, kind of make the job more efficient. So if I, I saw that there was like, oh, we have this big amount of data that we need to kind of look through or, uh, you know, figure out what's going on. It just kind of helped me consolidate that data and just kind of figure out a faster way to do things so that it wouldn't right. take me as much time or an easier way to do things. Um, so yeah, that role, not, not as much uh, as a business analyst, but sure. in my role now, um, you know, I do a lot of PowerShell, um, scripting. So understanding, kind of how PowerShell works, obviously that's a big technical piece. So, you know, CS definitely helped with that. Um, and then the web applications, obviously like, you know, they were .NET, um, .NET Core 3.0 web applications. So just understanding the stack and, you know, how uh, how kind of the database links to um, application and how, you know, the front end is supposed to be designed. Just understanding all of that from, um, from a programming perspective, you know, that CS degree, I can say it was very helpful. Um, I actually didn't take any web dev courses um, at Vandy. Uh, shout out to Graham Hemingway. Uh, but <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so I did take that course, but uh, honestly, looking back, I kind of wish I did um, because yeah. I felt like that would have been super helpful. And web dev is like so big now um, that, you yeah. know, it's like, there's such a need for it everywhere. Um, and, you know, but yeah, so scripting, um, programming. Yeah. And then on the day to day, just figuring out, you know, we get an incident, Hey, what's the best way to, you know, complete this or get this done? Like that's huge, you know, what tools do I need to use to get this done? Um, yeah, I mean, my, I feel like my CS degree has been super helpful, uh, in doing that. I don't think I'd be able to, you know, pick up some of our tool set as quickly. if I hadn't been exposed to you know the CS classes that we took for sure. Um haven't really used data structures and stuff like that as much. <laughs> um but it's just helpful to know how to program in general. So yeah gotcha. definitely, definitely has been useful.
0: What about your uh corporate strategy minor? Have you used that much?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I guess uh just like understanding how to write writing emails, man, like <laughs> not even a technical thing, but like writing emails, if you write if if you respond the wrong because we interface with a lot of um directors and things like that who are asking for you know these this these incidents to be done um or they need information from us and so you know when you get on a call with these directors and just how to speak with them and how to articulate yourself or how to um you know go back and forth and email it's like you need to be very succinct you need to make sure that you're not uh trying to step on any toe. Like there's just a lot of different <laughs> things that you need to know. And so I think that definitely my corporate strategy minor helped there. And even in the biz analyst role, I think that core strategy minor obviously was even more important because now I'm doing technical work and my managers do a lot more of the interfacing. Like I do some mm-hmm. of the interfacing, but my managers do a lot of it. I'm more so, like I said, the analyst who does the work, but <laughs> in that, that biz analyst role, I was like meeting with directors to help them because the, pe- the people leading these teams are like senior managers so yeah. like you're meeting with them helping them set up a project and so it's like you can't come on that call you know like <laughs> oh well maybe I like no <laughs> you have your things in a row because it's like you know you you don't want to waste their time you realize right. in, like you do, do not want to waste people's time so definitely uh yeah how to articulate yourself emails um how to write business requirements and i think that's super helpful just how to articulate ben obviously knows about this but just how to articulate technology into the business business sense is like something that i think everybody even software engineers need to know you really can't become a manager or something on another level if you don't know how the technology impacts the business like you just don't yeah you know yeah definitely
0: yeah, I mean, that's one thing, especially I know startups definitely want their engineers to, like, have a better sense of sort of, like, the business's goal, because they don't want you just to build something, but, like, you're building it in the wrong mindset or building it for, like, the wrong type of user or type of use case. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think that's a very strong thing to know, especially if you want to go into someone like Ben's position and be a product manager. You need to have that sort of broader view.
3: Yeah yeah
0: and then yes you mentioned a couple things that you learned on the jobs or like protocol or etiquette I guess um and just like how to work um Ben what are some things that you learned outside of school and just on the job
1: yeah yeah I would say in any job that you join you're gonna have to learn a whole bunch of new things for sure so I would say a lot of what I learned in college didn't necessarily translate to what a product manager does when it comes to kind of prioritizing what work to do and how you like the vision of the software um, Mm -hmm. as well, sort of just um, things that you have to pick up on the job. And also John mentioned, you know, writing business requirements and, you know, even product requirements and just all sorts of requirements. (laughs) I'm not sure that I learned a whole lot in college regarding that. I also didn't have the corporate strategy minor. So maybe maybe I would have. I don't
2: think I even learned that in the corporate strategy minor. Like not the way that the
1: uh, organizations really want them, you know,
2: done.
3: Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's definitely something to pick up. Um, But I guess it all goes back to wanting to build the best software for the customers that you're serving and just kind of, if you think of it too, about just like a win, 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 like you want to win for the company you work for, you want to win for the customers who are using the software and you want to win for the end users who ultimately have to use the software. So with B2B, you build software software, and then the, the customer and the people who are buying it are usually, you know, the people who aren't actually using it. So sometimes there's a disconnect where you have all these features, but then it's hard for customers, sorry, the end users to use it And, you know, it may get sold, but then the people using it are really unhappy and then then that hurts renewals. And so a company may buy your software and then they don't renew it because the users can't use it. So I think it's really important not just to sell the software, but to have people enjoy using it and be able to use it, have it, you know, be performant, usable, et cetera. So A lot of times in the B2B space, things were first created to just kind of solve the business needs. And now it goes beyond that, but also you need to solve the end user's needs and for, I guess, everyone to be happy with it. So it's something I I learned as well coming in and something that I wouldn't say that uh, college prepared me for that either. So,
0: right. Yeah, it definitely sounds when you do B2B, especially if it's like B2B2C, to ci think that's a term but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um which i don't know if it's like strictly because i don't know if the businesses are selling the software but anyways um there's definitely that added layer in like that we're giving you or you're buying or licensing our software that doesn't mean like you're going to be using all of the features that doesn't mean like you know how to implement it right so there's yeah. definitely that extra layer right um,
1: yeah. I, even going to that last piece, implementing it right. I mean, that that's another whole thing where there's so many ways you can implement software and B2B sure. especially. There's not just one size fits all. It's, it's very customizable. So sometimes customers and end users are unaware of the features that they mm. have. And sometimes it can look different for different customers too. They could be using the same software with a different switch turned on and it can affect right. what they're doing and then they're not sure how to like do a certain thing. And it's like, well, there's different kind of versions here. Like which one are you using? So that can get confusing too. Um, so trying to make that whole thing easier, the software easier to implement. And I think it's like sort of years ago, they wanted to customize everything for every customer. But now yeah. I think the shift is more so where you sort of want it standardized with a few things that you can customize. Right. But if you have too many options it becomes very hard to help your customers
0: on the support side yeah
1: yeah on the support side exactly yeah
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense um and sort of going back a little bit to sort of like your college experiences and how they prepared you is there anything looking back on it and you're both class of no ben you're class of 2018 and 19
1: yeah 2018
0: 18 okay that's what i thought um and then Johns 2019, is there anything that you would have done differently, either academically or even extracurricularly, like, oh, I should have been more involved in this or that or the other?
2: So I definitely, one thing <laughs> that quick. Uh, I didn't know, oh yeah, one thing I didn't know about was the like HOD and CS thing, mm. so I thought that, because, so during- So yeah, oh,
0: say, like, What's HOD again?
2: Oh, sorry, human-, human <laughs> Development at Vanderbilt. It's like a, there's so many people in that major, but uh, <laughs> they have good placement in consulting um, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, but I thought that, you know, my sophomore year, I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I like business and tech, so maybe I'll be a tech consultant, um, which now I, I don't want to be a tech consultant. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think that, you know, and, and I think that all the math that I took in the CS program personally. Um, uh-huh. I don't necessarily think that was even needed. Um, sure. So I think that, you know, I definitely could have either made HOD like my main major and then, you know, had, uh, which I think this is how it works in NCS, like my second major or minor or something. Yep. And just
3: yeah. Leverage
2: yeah. that and not have to take like all the math because like at the end of the day, I'm, no one's going to ask me to do calculus. Like, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's one thing for sure.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that with the math. That was always <laughs> <laughs> my least favorite part of the yeah. <clears throat> CS major. And yeah, definitely don't need calculus at all for what I do. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I did hear of people doing HOD primary, CS secondary. I think that would really help a lot as far as kind of working in business and having that CS background. So. Um, maybe maybe Vandy could kind of push that more I I don't know if it's they don't really push that or advertise that much but the people who I know who did it I mean it makes a lot of sense yeah
2: they seem way happier too
1: (laughs) yeah 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 probably better GPAs as well Yeah. (laughs) yeah I think that's
0: a big sort of disconnect or just like lack of understanding going into college um, it's just sort of like the connection between your education and then like your life after, yeah. um, obviously if you go into like pre-law or pre-med or pre-PhD, it's a little bit more straightforward. Like, Oh, I'm going to do a PhD in biology. Well, let me study biology then. Um, but the corporate workspace is so diverse and the t- number of like positions they have and just, there's so many different ways to get to the same place um at the same company so i think but then when you're going into high school it's more like okay choose your major and then that's that's the only choice it's like well really you have your major and then there's also minors so there's like already that added complexity and then also each one of these can go to all these different directions and some will open some more some doors more than others um and i think that's something that like coming out as 18 19 whatever from high school you really have no idea about, and even halfway through college, you might not really have a good grasp of sort of the options that you have. Because, um, yeah, personally, I came in as a chemical engineer or a chemical engineering degree, and then after my sophomore year, and really during my sophomore year, I was like, "Yeah, this is probably isn't for me." Um, so I ended up only with like a CS minor, and I did sort of that engineering science, make your own uh, engineering major as my major. Um, but looking back on it, like, I probably would have ended up with, like, a pretty similar final degree, because I like the flexibility that, like, engineering science gave you. I could still take as many CS classes as I want, but I could, like, skip some of the more hardware-oriented ones, which are the ones I don't really care about. Um, definitely more interested in, like, design and stuff like that, and, like, algorithms was definitely a great class I took. Um... And yeah, I even like (laughs) encouraged this one guy, um, Abhishek, he had, I was just chilling in Featheringale, uh, our engineering, our like main engineering building. And he just came out of the office. um, And I like kind of knew him. I was like, hey, what's up? And he had just dropped OS. Yeah, I think he just dropped operating systems. Um, He was a software. And then this was after I made the switch too. And I like told him about my sort of like educational journey and whatnot. Um, and I ended up convincing him to drop CS major and just get a minor, um, a beefed up minor in CS with engineering science as the, you know, main major or only major. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. I'd actually, um, thought about that. Like I'd actually thought about switching to engineering science. So I was kind of going through process and like, you know, looking at it. And then I don't know. I just started thinking like, I'm one of those guys where I kind of like, um, I don't know. I, I kind of want like a surefire way, or I feel like it's, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I didn't think engineering science would work. I just was like thinking, like, oh, if I go to the career fair with ES, like, yeah. you know, I might have a CS minor, but like, how do I explain like this or explain the program, you know, versus like, you know, I was like, oh, well, when I go to the career fair, I go to interview with like a CS degree, like, you know it's pretty standard everywhere so yeah. Like, oh yeah I know Makes what sense. You look like I know you know so I think for me it was more so just kind of being like uh, I don't I don't easy. know how work out yeah yeah um, or, or maybe that I don't know how easy it'll be to you know get into the space I want to get into or explain right. to them you know what um you know what I can bring to the table
1: basically with that
2: you know so, yeah
1: I had concerns with that as well with ES. I really liked that major and I was thinking about it too, but um, I was, I was worried. I was worried that when I applied to companies, they wouldn't know what that was or my resume would just get rejected automatically. And so that's kind of why I stuck with computer science as well. And I, I think maybe if, if I don't know if companies do reject you, if you don't have a CS degree and you're applying for software engineering, positions they probably don't just automatically reject you. But right. you know, back in the uh in college, I guess it's just it was a concern. So yeah. um so yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Vandy could do more to help people out in that position, or they could let other companies know that it's it's definitely a viable and a and a good major. And yeah. it allows you to kind of explore more of what you're interested in rather than being locked into kind of one very strict program. So Right.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, personally I can say from my experience, you know, switching over to ES, um, is that as long as I could explain to myself, you know, why I'm on the switch, which was, you know, sort of the more horizontal breadth of knowledge and like skills and classes I could take and the more flexibility because especially coming from Chemi, I mean NCS is pretty rigid too, but Kemi I think is like hundred and thirty some hour uh, course load, and that's like the ones you have to take. Which I mean, if you break it down like semester by semester, like there's really not any wiggle room. And like yeah. if you're taking only like 15, 16 hours, which is low for like chemis, you do not want to take more because there's some fucking hard classes <laughs> within yeah. those within those hours. And csf Lee has their own like really difficult semesters too. Um, but yeah, I think as long as you could you know explain it to yourself, then you'll be able to explain it to an employer um i definitely did have some concerns and definitely didn't apply to some of those like you know fang um tech companies you know facebook apple amazon netflix is it netflix and then google yeah i didn't apply to some of those because like hey i don't think well one i knew my technical since i picked it up kind of late um it wasn't as a beefy cs minor as i wanted um so i wasn't too confident in my abilities there and then also i thought like oh i'm you know just a cs minor um, but I think especially if you're able to get some professional experience early it definitely sort of lightens the burden and this goes for really any any field pre-professional like if you get some experience your academic history matters a lot less
1: right that's right yeah so and that
0: was you, yeah uh, go ahead
2: how did you uh because I know you were at um what company were you change at? Healthcare. Yeah, saying you were kind of in more of a software dev role.
0: Yeah, how, it was a, yeah.
2: How did that, like, um, prepare you to, like, be an engineer now? Like, yeah. how did that prepare you? Or did you have to do, like, some extra stuff on the side to, like?
0: actually, yeah, no, that's a great question. I didn't do too much extra on the side besides, like, technical interview prep. Okay. Um, and I actually had a really sort of well, it's unique to me because I haven't really heard it, but sort of roundabout way to get this software dev or software dev engineer um, position at Oracle. So my last rotation um, in my change healthcare rotational program, we did four six-month rotations. My last one was as a DevOps engineer in Seattle. Um, So we had an enterprise DevOps team that basically um, made... DevOps practices and principles easier to implement, usually through, obviously, programming um, within our teams. So that position, Oh, sorry, that's not supposed to go off. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I don't have any other meeting, this is a random one. Um, so that position in DevOps, um, is, like, a very hot, sort of, like, trendy term in a lot of, like, tech spaces. Um, typically, they just want engineers or software engineers to have a DevOps mindset, not necessarily have a dedicated DevOps team. Um, but so that position made me a lot more qualified or opened a lot of doors in sort of, like, the support space, um, so the original job description or job title that uh, oracle reached out was actually for this sre role which is something google actually invented as a site reliability engineer oh. uh, are you familiar with it
1: i've heard of this role oh, yeah i know yeah. some people who are in it as well
0: oh really at apple yeah oh interesting yeah um but yeah so basically and then i'm not obviously i just interviewed for i don't know the best description um it's like a really technical support role so basically usually support people will just like sort of diagnose the problem then hand it off but for sres they can actually do since they have a little bit more of a technical background they can actually maybe solve the problem or get a couple steps into it to sort of diagnose it even further um for instance in the cloud space like oh like you don't have a load balancer on one of your servers or whatnot so they can actually spin up, you know, a load balancer, add different parts of like their architecture, basically. Um, so that's the position they reached out for. I interviewed for, and it went pretty well. It was um, pretty much like a normal dev interview. So there was a technical part and a behavioral part. I think I had four, yeah, I had four forty-five minute interviews, um, and I think. The main difference, and then I'm not sure because I didn't interview for just a normal software dev position, is that the technical questions were easier. Um, I was able to solve each of them, and then code. I got all like basic. I think I got all the code complete for three of them, and then one. Like I just didn't have enough time to write it out, um, but I had like the architecture, like the plan, laid out. Um, And so did really well on those. And then they got back to me a few weeks later saying I got the position. Um, But it was actually kind of weird because the SRE is more of a support function. So they're not really tied to a specific team. They're sort of like a horizontal support uh, team for the security organization. Um, But when they emailed it to me, they said, oh, our team would like to extend you an offer. And I think he mentioned what his team title was. And I was like, oh, that's sort of like weird verbiage or like weird wording. Um, so when I talked to him, it w- they were offering me just a plane or I don't know if planes the right word it sounds sort of like negative, but they were just giving me like sort of a base software development um, oh. position from a specific team. And I asked like, you know, why did I end up getting this job I didn't even apply for, even though I was happy because like, this is where I wanted to go anyway um and he said just like especially I did well in the interview and especially on like the technical aspects I was like a lot better than the other candidates so they thought I was like you know ready for just like a software dev role um but it's also like a funny thing that I've seen in my personal um sort of academic career history if you can call it a career um it's just that like if I put enough energy or like do enough of the right things, and I have like a particular goal in mind. Um, So in this case, it'd be like, you know, preparing for a typical software engineering interview. And um, in this rotational program is very uh, flexible in the fact that I can state my preferences for each rotation. And so I intentionally wanted to do more technical rotations um, within the program. So, like, just these decisions and that were related to a goal I had in mind, like, I just sort of got put in a place where that goal got actualized. It wasn't anything necessarily, like, special I did, but it was just making, like, the right decisions at the right times, and then I ended up where I wanted to be. How do you guys feel about that sort of, like, do you guys see that in your own, like, career paths, or was it just, like, obviously you mentioned it was sort of lucky that you got – to your position Ben um. yeah
1: yeah I guess I'll um I'll tell you a story about a, a past job I had and this was actually before I went to college I worked for a startup called Viking 360 and I don't know if you've heard of them but if you've ever played Call of Duty um then this will be kind of relatable for you okay like Call of Duty <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah a lot yeah Okay, so yeah, back back in the day, pre-college, I I played so much Call of Duty. Um, tons and tons of Call of Duty. I was I was really good at it too. And I was super competitive because I I've, I've never been like amazing at sports. Like I'm I'm decent, obviously, yeah. but I'm not great. But I've always been like pretty good at video games, and if I play enough hours, I, I like keep getting better. Nice. Um, with sports, I sort of plateau and I can I can't get better. <laughs> so so video games uh, it was fun for me because I'm competitive and I could actually get, get better. So right. played a lot of Call of Duty, and I, I realized I wanted e- like even more competitive advantages. So I bought hacker. a modded – what? I said hacker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought a modded controller from Viking 360. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> this now,
3: what the heck?
2: Oh. Um,
1: so, so anyway, they released this controller called the Macro Controller and you as a as a customer could build your own mods for Call of Duty oh, using damn. their software. Interesting. Um, yeah. You could actually build mods for any game. And so what happened was X. I got the controller. Most most people found the software to be like too difficult for them to figure out or yeah. they just didn't want to spend the time to build these mods. They just wanted to right. buy the controller, download mods and put it on their controller. Yeah. So I started making these mods And I I reached out to the company because I started learning all of this stuff about the controller, like um, how to make it better, how to like, you know, mess around with their software and like do all this stuff. So I I reached out and I applied and they gave me a job, which was awesome. That's insane. Crazy. Yeah. So I was here. I was in high school and working (laughs) for a company They were based in Washington state and I was living in upstate New York. So it was a fully remote position. I started nice. doing, yeah, I started doing all sorts of things. And I think this is what really prepared me for product management. So <laughs> I started interacting with customers, figuring out what mods they wanted. Yeah, that's crazy. I did, yeah, I that's started, high schooler. yeah, I yeah. started working on, yeah, yeah, started working on like support related things. So when customers complain their controller didn't work, I would be kind of like the first person, like triaging it, trying to figure out how to fix it before I realized, okay, you're gonna to have to send it in because this is a hardware issue. So, <laughs> right. anything that wasn't hardware, I would usually be able to fix for them, um, which was really cool too. Um, so then this one feature, um, and again, this is this is what really prepared me for product management, was <laughs> it was called the Turbo Knife, and I got the idea from someone who, you know, a customer essentially, who was like, you know, there's this thing where if you press all these buttons you can, like, improve how fast you knife in Call of Duty.
2: Oh, wow. Um,
1: yeah. So the, the way it worked is knifing and then the animation uh, could be broken right as soon as you finish knifing. Mm. And if you break the animation, you can then knife really fast, gotcha. and there's no negative impacts. It just allows you to knife faster. Wow. Uh, the same thing works with the, tur- <laughs> the the Riot Shield. So you could Turbo Riot Shield as well. Oh, my God. Which was super.
2: Before This was Black Ops, right?
1: Yeah, Black Ops, Modern Warfare, both yeah, those I'm like. I feel like
2: I've dealt with people like this before now. And I was gonna say
1: they probably used my mod. It was downloaded thousands of times.
2: Damn.
1: And in fact, Infinity Ward, um, who makes Modern Warfare, they came out with patches for the game because of the mods I was making. Damn. Dude, that is, that's great, like. Man. That's a story, yeah. bro. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I tell this in interviews, it's it's definitely it gets it gets cool reaction. <laughs>
0: So he gets job um, offers. That's what happened. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, this is the one. <laughs> this one. So Facebook anyway, and Google yeah.
0: missed out, bro. <laughs> right,
1: right. So yeah, I would I would do some like YouTube videos and do some marketing. And I even like would do sales. So I would like call people and be hell? like, hey, do you want to buy this controller? Like, here's what it can do. So I was just doing sort of everything. Crazy. Uh, yeah.
0: Definitely startup vibes.
1: Startup vibes, right? Yeah. You yeah. just do everything. Um, and then eventually Microsoft created a controller that was very similar to what we had, and they basically <laughs> put us out of business because, you know, like why would you buy like a third-party yeah. controller when you can just buy the original controller from Microsoft? So we yeah. had like the the buttons on the back, and that was like revolutionary at the time. And then again, Microsoft started making the paddles on the back, and then you know they they copied us. So
0: yeah, um, that's big so in the anyway. tech industry.
1: Yep, yep. So. <laughs> At the time, it was really cool. We were, we were doing revolutionary things. So cool that other companies copied us. And unfortunately, yeah. we were small. And so, you know, these other companies copying us put us out of business after a yeah. few years. Yeah. In the beginning, it was, it was awesome. I mean, I yeah, got, that amazing. Yeah, got tons of experience, learned what it was like to have like f- product releases, feature releases, like hyping customers up, like we're coming out with this new feature in a week or a few weeks and, it was yeah, just yeah. a really cool experience.
0: Yeah, and man, awesome. you're just the coolest kid in high school, man. Or yeah. just, like, a nerd <laughs> that's on the computer all the time playing video it was, games. It was
1: both, you know?
2: <laughs> and I think you touched on, like, one super important thing, too, which is, like, the marketing aspect and the selling aspect, mm. which is, like, so huge probably in your area as well. Just, like, you know, well, in any area, really, just selling, like, what you can do is
1: so important. So, Right. Great, right.
3: Uh,
1: yeah. So yeah. – SAP has really awesome sales and marketing um, for sure. As a product manager though, you definitely, at least in B2B, a lot of times you have to work with people in sales and figure out what, what customers want. And sometimes they say, well, if we just had this one feature, we could get a sale. Sometimes you are tempted to then build that one feature, but you got to make sure it makes sense. Cause right. if it's, if it's something that's going to take forever and it's just one customer and we have, you know, thousands of customers you gotta weigh in on what's worth spending, you know, engineering capacity on. So
0: Yeah. That's definitely a hard part for a lot of these startups that are like trying to build a brand. It doesn't like it doesn't matter if the tech is great or if the product is great, but if you can't communicate that effectively to especially like the early adopters, there's just like no way you're gonna survive. And you know, there's probably like three other startups that are doing pretty much the same exact function as you're doing um so how do you differentiate yourself from those competitors cuz it's not like you're giving these products out you're giving advertisements and stuff out before you're actually handing over the product
1: yeah ah. and and even once you differentiate yourself pricing is really key too yeah we, we see nowadays with software uh, startups pricing is super low cuz they just want to acquire customers yeah um which can be really great for businesses where the startup has the best software and they have the lowest prices it's like super win-win right. um, but then you know the startup needs a ton of funding Capital. money yeah. yeah right so that it can stay alive and then you know when they do want to increase prices it, it can be hard and then customers don't want to pay the extra money so sometimes that can be that can be difficult and um you know back back when i was working for viking know our product was expensive and that was again another issue like it costs a lot of money and we didn't have like back at that point there wasn't a whole lot of funding for startups like there is today um so it's tough because if you want to lower prices then you can't stay afloat if you keep your prices high you still can't stay afloat (laughs) it's too expensive right so right yeah that can be tough for startups too
2: yeah i was wondering too so i know um, you kind of talked about holistically as a product manager, right? You work some with sales, you're basically like, own, I mean, well, it says in the name, you're owning the product, but like, what are you, and you know, you work with some developers sometimes to kind of give them, uh, you know, your insight into some things. How, I guess, do you, do you look at the product at all from a security perspective or like, Hey, how can the customers break this? Or how can they, you know, is it vulnerable in any areas? Like, do you look at that as well as, uh, from the software perspective?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a few different ways. So whenever we're building something brand new, um, we do what's called threat modeling. So we have engineers spend time on trying to like look for vulnerabilities and look for ways that things can be abused and all of that. So it's part of the feature releases. You have to make sure that this is a secure thing. And then there's other things too. So when, when you're building something new, let's say new APIs, making sure that people can't access fields that might be sensitive. So for instance, mm. with recruiting, there are some positions where companies are fine with showing the hourly wage or even the salary or like the salary range. Some positions, totally fine. Mm. But then other positions, they do not, like customers do not want applicants to see how much they <laughs> pay. right? Yeah, yeah. the That's VP. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, right. What and, the fuck? <laughs> It so you know what? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like making sure that those APIs that deliver salary information is secure, and that it also allows certain positions to have it. But then, if you try to call that API in a different position, then we can't actually access that salary from this API. So things like that, mm-hmm. making sure they're locked down in that way. As a product manager, that's something I've I've brought up too, making sure that sensitive information for our customers is not leaked. And that's, that's different than like PII personally identifiable information. Cause that's a whole nother topic for security. Making sure candidate data is secure and that, you know, the databases are encrypted or the application layer is encrypted or that we have a vault that we're storing like keys for to even access a lot of these things. So those topics come up, um, especially now, as you guys know, with zoom having all these security issues Mm -hmm right now but right? they've been in the news for
3: <laughs>
1: right they've gotten a lot better right and yeah. they're focusing on that and i think lots of companies are now seeing the importance of security and are ramping up in that space so
0: as soon as actually hosted on oracle cloud i don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> oh I,
1: I did not know that
0: <laughs>
3: oh. <laughs>
1: Maybe I shouldn't have mentioned the secret. <laughs> <laughs> that was before that's before.
0: No, I'm kidding. Okay, okay. I don't know actually.
1: <laughs> you can cut it out if, if need.
0: <laughs> Any recent improvements are because of us, that's what I'll <laughs> say. Yeah, yeah. Um No, that was great. Yeah, thanks for that story, Ben. That was great. Um and then sort of on that same idea of, you know, startup culture versus big company culture. Obviously all three of us are at pretty large companies I don't know where each of them are on the Forbes list but they're definitely pretty pretty sizable um in terms of employees and revenue um so were you guys looking for a big company right out of college um to I know a lot of people like to get it early on in their resume because it will like open up a lot of doors um but obviously uh Ben touched on some of the advantages of working in a startup being sort of like a broad skill set and trying a lot of different Different things um, at a at a single company in a single position. So, what were your guys' sort of thought processes around that coming out of college or even now?
2: Personally, I was looking for I was looking for a larger company, um, and I think that I do want to work at a larger company for um, maybe not my entire career, but at least for you know the first five to ten years, mm-hmm. um, because I do kind of have a goal to. Uh, you know, maybe in, in some way be able to start something on my own, uh, maybe do some type of IT consulting, uh, yeah. you know, I feel like, if you're able to bring like a, a good breadth of knowledge to the table, you can really help people. And I think that the connections that you need to do those things can be really, uh, can are, are better formed in large organizations, because there's so many you know, people you can meet, so many people that have worked in, you know, other places, they have mm-hmm. great experience, um, you know, at the best companies, a lot of times you you have some really intelligent people. So, you know, you can really form those connections. Mm-hmm. So coming out of college, I was like, man, I really do want to be at a large company for a while. Um, sp- stability as well, um, yeah. especially in this in this coronavirus time. Uh, COVID <laughs> is huge. And I feel like, you know, even though a lot of places are um, you know, making cuts, I think that, you know, being a larger company, uh, there's a little bit less of an impact or a little bit more, uh, you know, leeway because they, they do have, you know, that cash, um, yeah. and that revenue to kind of continue to support the business even when things aren't going great, and they have to kind of weather the storm. So that was kind of my thought process behind it. And, right. you know, um, smaller companies, I think, can be great because, you know, you get, you you may get uh, more hands-on experience with maybe the the top-level people um, that you may not be able to uh, get as much of at a large organization because, you know, there's so many, I mean, you know, especially in my company, there's so many managing directors, there's so many yeah. levels of managing directors, uh, there's so many senior managers, so many teams. <laughs> Personally, my team is very small. So uh, I get to, you know, interface with my team lead a lot. And, my, and you know, the two managers, there's like three of us uh, or four of us on my of the team. And mm-hmm. that's including the guy who leads the entire team. So really, it's like three of us. Wow. Uh, and so we're, you know, pretty close. And so that kind of allows you to kind of have like a smaller company vibe because you can get access to those managers and work and like basically get to look at all the work and ask any questions that you need. Um, But that's not always the case because a lot of times these large company teams are pretty big or they can be pretty big. And so, you know, I think that there's benefits to both, but yeah, personally, when I came out of college um, and even now, I think that, you know, staying a larger company, even though there are some, obviously, negatives to everything, I think that the positives at these larger companies, to me, kind of outweigh, uh, you know, the negatives. And also getting that experience, like the company name, obviously, like, oh, if I have Oracle, yeah. resume, or I have Lord, I have SAP, or I have, you know, some big company on my resume, they'll be like, you know, you're used to working uh, across different functions. You're used to working in a fast-paced environment, yeah. dealing with all these different areas all these different things that can go wrong you know I'm sure that both of you all in your jobs have have to communicate with other teams to get your stuff done obviously Ben does because he's a product uh, you know product (laughs) owner but it's like you know you have to learn how to kind of uh, figure out how to stay on like on schedule while you know waiting on other people to do things or just you know making sure that you're putting that in and so it just helps you to kind of pick up, uh, it's really a skill, honestly, working in, you know, large organizations. Um, and I think that, that that's really uh, a good
0: thing. So that was kind of my thought process on it. But yeah, I definitely think you're right on a lot of those points. Yeah, go ahead, Ben.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, I also um, was very much interested in a large company coming out of college. And um, like I when I was applying, I was just really focused on the top Big companies, tech companies, uh, or finance tech companies. So um, I definitely was interested in in FANG for sure. Um, But then (laughs) also, you know, SAP, Oracle, um, Capital One. I mean, there are plenty of other companies too besides FANG. But um, (laughs) yeah, definitely was interested in large companies. And part of it is kind of the stability of it. With startups, you never know how they're going to do. And a lot were impacted by. Um, you know, COVID-19. I know people working for startups who lost their jobs. I know some who yeah. had to take pay cuts to stay hired, and that's you know always tough to to handle. Um, so, I know with a lot of these larger companies, they're they're all thriving actually. Like you know, Microsoft, <laughs> Facebook, Google, SAP. I mean, yeah. all doing really well even in in the coronavirus. And so, Amazon. yeah, I mean the stability of that. Um, but also, to opportunities. So um, mm. going into a startup, um, you could go in as a software engineer, but I didn't really find any startups willing to take a chance on someone out of college for product management. Mm. You know, a lot of startups maybe can't, can't like, afford that because At if risk. you don't have experience and you don't know what you're doing, that could be right. really, really detrimental to the product. Versus a big company, you can kind of start off in maybe an internally facing product, or a rotational yeah. program where the expectations might be a little bit lower, and then as you prove yourself, you can step into a more um, impactful role. And then the company knows that okay, you you've got this. With with a startup, you don't have that luxury always. And if you make a make one mistake, that could kill the startup. Versus sure. a big brand, it's it's not you know always going to be critical. If if you make a mistake, it might be a good thing. In depending on if it's a small mistake or not. Mm-hmm. So so for me, yeah, large companies was what I was looking for and I I think I want to stay in there for for several years as well just like John. Um I thought about potentially starting a company, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I I looked into it. It it's tough. I mean, with yeah. brands and yeah. creating a brand, sometimes it's luck and sometimes mm-hmm. Definitely. It, yeah, if you find something that no one's doing, but then all of a sudden a new competitor right. does the same thing as you and then they can just like kill your startup as well. So very risky. And yeah, um, yeah but I guess that's, I, I don't know. I was a little no, all over the place, but, <laughs> but yeah, for me, large companies is, is what I've been interested in.
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with both of you. I think definitely that stability and sort of lack of volatility is definitely important. Um, especially like, right coming out of college you probably have some college loans if you're you know an average college student right. you got like 10,000 or however much of 10,000 is probably on the low end um, of college <laughs> loans uh, and then I mean I've always felt in some ways eh, don't really feel it anymore but growing up that just felt like kind of like a burden to my parents especially financially so I definitely know like they uh, couldn't do certain things because you know i was around um and they had to you know pay feed me look after me and all that kind of stuff so i definitely wanted something that you know okay now i can actually contribute now i can actually like be on the black side and like positive side of money not on the red side um so that was definitely important for me and another reason the larger company was more suited for that kind of financial stability goal um obviously some students don't really care all that much about Financial stability and try to do a startup right out of college, which you know, right. all, all, all for that. Um, but like other people, don't really have that luxury uh, of being able to do that. And then also, I think uh, I think Ben mentioned sort of the um, not corporate ladder, but sort of the you have more options at a larger company. There's more obviously, there's more positions. So if you want to grow at a company and grow your career and want to stay there for a little bit um you do have more options of where to go where's the next little step because at a startup with more of a flat hierarchy like the next step up's like a big step up right right um yeah so yeah I definitely agree with both of you and obviously now I mean even at a bigger company than I was before um still sort of on that track um and like like Ben mentioned, I'm also definitely interested in sort of the entrepreneurship. And I actually, John mentioned it a little while back too. Um, either as like an IT consultant or starting your own company. Um, that's always. I mean, I feel like our generation. That's huge entrepreneurship, um, in all its different forms. Um, and so, sort of looking at the you know the next step, um, and you can think of this like skill development wise, if you want. If you don't have like a set, you know position that you're looking for next what are you guys trying to um get out of your next you know two to five years of employment that's a tough question so you can yeah go
1: ahead you want me to go first yeah you can go first. all right yeah for me i definitely want to keep rising up the ranks of, of product management <laughs> yeah i mean if i had gone into software engineering out of college then i think I would still say I would want to become a product manager in, in that two to five year timeframe. So, um, now that I am a current product manager, I I definitely would want to move more into the kind of a senior product manager role. And then from there, maybe a manager of product managers or kind of like a director of product management, mm-hmm. maybe even eventually VP of product, <laughs> and kind of move up the ladder of products. Um, I, I ultimately, if I were to have like a, an end goal for, the corporate world, I would I would want to move up onto kind of the board for a company and be involved in executive management and make really big decisions for the company. Yeah. That is that is kind of my my end goal. Um, yeah. But yeah, on the on the path to there, I definitely want to rise the path of product. And I know some product managers who who then want to move into operations management or you know architecture management like software architecture and different paths too but for me ultimately i, I really like i really like product um, definitely <laughs> was was like my my dream position nice. coming out of college that's awesome. once once i had moved into the computer science space so before that pre-med and thinking i would be a doctor <laughs> but <laughs> so anyway yeah that's that's the goal for me okay
2: yeah personally for me um next two to five years i really would like to just learn more um within cyber so get some certifications um i know i do want to get the security plus certification um probably something else regarding uh, like networking like secure networking stuff like that um and then there's a big one it's like the cissp and i think you have to have like a certain amount of experience to get it but yeah. just just you know things like that i want to continue to learn more about security um, I do like cyber forensics and investigations. I like the um I like the variability of it. I like how it's, you know, every day, you know, you can kind of have a different problem to solve in cyber. So I think that I would like to maybe stay in that area, maybe do some uh I don't know, network pen penetration stuff or you know, something something along those lines. Um just learn more about scripting. Um like lately I've actually been, you know, pretty interested in software dev and software engineering. So I won't mark that off my list. Uh, I just haven't really, you know, it's been a while since I've been doing Well, I did some in my job, but like just daily, you know, I do more um, of the cyber related stuff. Um, so I think that just continue to hone those skills, but I think ultimately, like, you know, just getting, just growing my career in cyber security. Um, like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be in, in forensics and investigations, uh, specifically, you know, uh, yeah, so specifically forensics and investigations, it, it doesn't have to be that. It could be, uh, you know, I, I do like threat, like threat hunting, like that would be cool to me, like learning how to, um, you know, design secure systems. That would be cool, um, build secure systems. I just think a lot of cyber stuff is cool. I just, I don't know. So it's it's like I don't really have a specific path in cyber that I want to go. I kind of just want to learn everything. Um, yeah. But I guess in a I guess in a nutshell, I'm really just trying to figure out what area like I really want to take my career because um, you know incident response and the area I'm in now are two great areas that I really think you can um, be a part of. Uh, all the, like you can, you can do things related to all the other areas, like threat intelligence or uh, application security or penetration testing. Like, I think that overall, I think my ideal cyber role would be uh, like in the next five years is something that I can do some, you know, for instance, investigations, as well as uh, some incident response stuff and just be, uh, be able to respond to a bunch of different types of cyber problems. Um, so that you know whether it's oh you know our, we want to know what's wrong with this application secure you know sec- from a security perspective or um, we want you to look through this um, threat vulnerability data and figure out you know if you know what applications are most vulnerable and you know where we can fix this just anything like that really um, or if any incidents come in and you know oh, well we got hacked today or you know there is a email phishing uh, issue going on like who is sending these out you know, how do we mitigate this risk so that people aren't clicking on these emails or, you know, getting us into other issues. So just, yeah, anything from that perspective, really, that's uh, really a broad range. So I don't really have, (laughs) (laughs) you know, stepping stones, I would like to, like, I I mean, you know, I would like to become like a director in cyber, Um, you know, be over some pretty big parts of the of the system of the organization, be able to really just have a, a big impact in that area uh overall that's that's my view you know on it and that's kind of where I want to go so yeah that's that's basically it I
0: mean yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense for both of you I mean it's it's nice er, so early in a career to to have found sort of a vertical or an idea of like a subsector of an industry that you're interested in so also yeah. for Bennett's uh product management, and then for John, more cyber security. Um, yeah, personally, yeah, I definitely, obviously you can see from my education, the rotational program I did after college, I definitely am interested in going, like, experiencing a lot of different sort of roles, and getting a lot of, like, horizontal experiences, not taking too much of a deep dive into anyone, um, In the tech industry, I don't know if your companies use this, but there's, like, the idea of the T-shaped developer, have you guys heard of that? No, what is that? No. Okay um that's basically like you can think of it like skills basically so like the t the top of the t is like a broad range of skills so you can like talk very conceptually i guess about a lot of different things and then they want like one vertical or one like area that you're like really do a deep dive and have a lot of knowledge about and maybe experience too like you know it could be like ai or it could be cyber or whatever but to have a good sort of grasp of a lot of different concepts so at least you can talk you know semi-intelligently about it but then also like pen to paper when you're actually you know on the computer doing something you have something that's like this is you know what you're concentrated on this is what you know, know like the intricacies of and stuff like that um so for me i think i'm still figuring out my the bottom part of my t is my vertical um and sort of could be cybersecurity. it could be I don't really know. I'm still trying to figure it out, honestly. (laughs) Could be product management even. Um, (laughs) 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 So, yeah, I think that's what my next, you know, two to five years is really looking at, just seeing where I can definitely still, still early, so still trying to expand that top of that T, but also starting to explore some of the rabbit holes I can go down for that vertical part of the T. Yeah, I think that covered a lot of what I wanted to, about sort of post-college and corporate life and your sort of goals and what led you to where you are um and so there's one connection between you guys I think I'm pretty sure that I didn't realize until like after you know I paired you guys up um uh, and I think both of you are involved in Greek life in college that?
2: I am now I wasn't in college
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I don't remember you, like, doing that. No, like, I
1: wasn't. Yeah I, yeah, I am now, but I wasn't in college
0: yet. So. Okay. Yeah, uh,
1: I was I was in uh, K.A. college.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my people from my floor freshman year in K.A. Um. So, I guess, what is what was your guys' experience? And I guess you can, John, you can say, you know, why you decided not to do Greek Life or would you, you know, yeah. want to do it if you did it over again? What was yeah. some of that? Experience for you, and it doesn't have to be necessarily related to like you know networking or getting a job or anything um, yeah, I guess Ben can go first since he actually was yeah. in a <laughs> okay <laughs> sure.
1: yeah so i I joined k a and i I honestly didn't think that I would join greek life and part <laughs> of part of part of why I joined k a um was to be a founding member um mm-hmm. so at the time they were just starting up again. And I had the opportunity to join executive council, which I felt was really cool because it would give me kind of a leadership position right off the bat. And right. if I wanted to, I could live in the, the fraternity house, which I ended up living there for two years. Nice. And it was actually really good housing on campus, too. <laughs> and I had my own parking spot and everything. So wow. there were a lot of perks to, to joining KA as opposed to other fraternities where I would have just been a member and I wouldn't have gotten to live in the house or be on exec or anything like that. So. So that's sort of why I joined K, And then being able to shape it and, and grow it, we ended up growing a, a lot. So we, we started off really small. And by the time I left, we were pretty, pretty big and pretty up there with all the other fraternities. So that was really, really a cool experience too. And I, I basically was on exec for almost my whole college career too. So I got to, um, to learn a lot from that experience I think that has helped me too in product management. So, um, I started off um, on exec as the parliamentarian, so kind of just creating the bylaws and enforcing the laws, so to speak. But you know, oh. party patrol. <laughs> um, right. Well, we actually had a different person for that, the risk okay. manager. So, um, so I didn't want to do that. But <laughs> and then I became the secretary, which was also a good experience. So. You take meeting minutes, which is super helpful in business yeah. too, because when you're in a meeting, it's actually so useful if you are taking notes at the meeting and then you send a follow up at the end, people yeah. really, really respect that, and people who are above you and they see that and they get this concise like meeting summary, yeah that goes a long way and when like it's time for a promotion That's a good tip. Or, yeah, good tip right here <laughs> if it's time for a promotion or um Or anything like that and you've been doing this it's it's something that really stands out so highly would recommend this by the way um so that was good prep for that to be honest and also other coordination things too so going into my senior year i was actually not supposed to live in the fraternity house i was going to live in a tower suite but then we had a whole switch of like executive people Mm -hmm. in in ka and like all sorts of things go on so I had to like coordinate moving people in and out of the house into the, this tower suite and I was gonna live in the house and then all these, <laughs> all these things. And some people were super happy about this. Other people were not as happy about it. Um, some people you know, had different, There's all sorts of you know, different personalities that I had to, <laughs> to deal with, right? And like, yeah. I think that's so important in business too. Like, let's say you're on a board or any, or, or just not even on a board, let's just say you're working with teammates. Everybody has different personalities, um, different like things that are important to them and figuring out how to make everyone happy with different decisions that are made and how to get people excited to do work. So for, you know, product management, when I'm building a product, some engineers may not want to do this. So how can you like, you know, get them excited about doing that? And so to be honest, Creek Life actually really helped me a lot in that, which was really, really cool. So. Um I'm I'm happy I did it and it was sort of almost random that I ended up doing it cuz it was like it was almost the last day of of rush and I I didn't really <laughs> take it all that seriously and then I I went to KA and I was like okay I'm going to do it so
0: Nice yeah well, that's really cool the connection with that and sort of product management Um and then John so obviously during college you were not involved and you were involved I will say in a lot of other extracurriculars yeah. Um, is that like the main reason you decided not, you didn't, just didn't have time to.
2: Um, so I actually thought about it, but yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't, I think my thing during college was that, um, I just didn't necessarily know if it was like necessary for me, um, at that point, I thought it would be cool. But, uh, I joined NSBE pretty early, which is like National Society of Black Engineers, um, And I was pretty involved in that on the exec board. And so that really helped me, um, you know, go to conferences, kind of figure out, you know, um, how to operate, I guess, in a business sense, like, you know, how to dress, how to communicate, (laughs) uh, how to network, things of that nature. Um, And then, you know, being on the exec board sophomore year, um, I was I started off as a telecommunications chair and so that was basically just doing the social media aspect of it, Um, but just kind of seeing how everything operated, you know, learning how to stay organized, learning how to give reports, um, you know, that's super important in corporate America, and then my junior year, I was vice president, which obviously, like, dealing with people, I mean, that's, you know, something that you're going to have to do, and if you want to continue to rise up in any organization, obviously, you're going to have to learn how to manage people. Um, understand that they are people and not robots. So you have to, <laughs> know about, you know, hey, how are you feeling today? Not just hey, man, where's my work? Because that just, you know, <laughs> hey, you know my kid's been pissing me. Like, you know, I'm saying like there's just like I mean, you, know, you don't yeah. want to, you know, be so rigid. You want to kind of have a personal connection as well, and just yeah. let them realize that you care about them as well, and not just you know them as a a robot and then senior year I'm president of that org so i mean obviously that is just a lot to deal with so you have to oversee everything you have to communicate externally with you know faculty as well as um you know we had some alumni stuff so communicating with you know Vanderbilt engineering alumni um that had been a part of our organization and just addressing some issues that we felt um some of the students were having you know just things like that Um, Being president, I think, was what really, it really helped me grow as a person because you were dealing with people from all all types of perspectives, you know? I mean, you were having to, uh, you know, make sure that your vice president was managing work, making sure that everything was getting done, uh, running meetings. I mean, that's super important, being able to talk to people, uh, articulate yourself, make sure that everybody in a meeting is staying on schedule, everybody's voice is being heard. I mean, there's just so much that kind of goes into that, um, while also obviously managing your school workload. So there's just a lot of, that really, I think, helped me the most, because when I got into corporate America as a full-time employee, it's like, you know, um, obviously at first, they kind of baby feed you, but then they start to like, give you more work and then you have to manage multiple things at once. And so when you're used to kind of doing that, it's like, Oh, okay, this is cool. Like I'll just, you know, have my little Excel sheet with, you know, my, my status updates or I'll have uh, my little notes document what I need to do for today. And then this is my current end goal. You know what I mean? And then you provide, you know, you have a tracker to track what you're doing track where you're at and you can report that to your manager. Like there's just so much that came from that, um, within, uh, that organization, and then obviously, uh, when obviously you guys may not know this, but Kaime <laughs> senior year, I was uh, part of this org called Change Plus Plus that built software applications um, for the community, um, and so we uh, were building an application for uh, Van, like two Vandy uh, alumni organizations, um, and so. You know, I was the um, technical project manager on that. I oversaw most of the – I oversaw, like, the dev and stuff and communicated externally um, with, like, our stakeholders and stuff like that. Mm. Um, And also, it was a team of five, including me, so just managed the other developers as well. So that also helped me see tech from a business perspective and understanding, like, you know, how can we – get this done the fastest while also meeting like client expectations uh as well as like you know realizing that you know hey um these are people and you know that i'm working (laughs) with i need to make sure that like i'm taking everything in consideration with their schoolwork and what they have going on so that i'm not just you know like some a-hole up here that they're just (laughs) like yeah he just wants work he just wants work so i think both of those <laughs> being president and doing the technical project management stuff senior year were two leader posi- leadership positions that really just um helped me um a lot and uh i actually did join um greek life now uh, an alumni chapter of uh, a national panhellenic uh council um organization. So uh, alpha, alpha Fraternity Incorporated, I did join that organization this year. Um, and so I'm hoping that I can um, continue to kind of grow my professional network in that. There are um, individuals in uh, in the organization who are much older than me. Um, so I'm hoping <laughs> to learn a lot from them. Uh, there are some, I mean, obviously there's, there's college chapters and there's alumni chapters. Um, so I'll kind of have a breadth of uh, people to meet, but I'm just happy that I'll get a chance to kind of learn from these older individuals who are part of the organization who are also professionals and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm looking to gain, uh, knowledge from them as well. So that's something that, um, I'm pretty excited to be able to speak about in the future. So,
0: yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think both of you touched on something or more than touched on, but, um, just the idea of your extracurriculars and sort of just like your social life in college as being a good way to learn how to work with people in the corporate world. Um, And obviously that that experience was even heightened because both of you guys had leadership uh, opportunities and experiences on both of your, you know, organizations that you guys worked on. Um, Personally, I sort of did... Again, more of a horizontal approach when I was doing extracurriculars. I was like a little bit involved in a lot of different stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's multiple reasons. I'd say like the main reason is just because I liked meeting people and I have a lot of different interests. I don't mind going to all these different, you know, general body meetings. Um, And I think to a lesser extent, but to some extent, I also got to learn, you know, how to work with people and I got to see how leaderships of different organizations ran their organization. so I could do some, you know, observatory uh, studies on <laughs> sort of how people ran their organizations. Um, and sort of on that same track, I know networking is sort of a big buzzword in college for sure. And then out of college, it doesn't really stop. Or for some people, it stops, but it really shouldn't. Um, what are you, some of your guys' like, views or tips or recommendations for people you know in college or earlier in their career um in terms of networking and it could be in person it could be you know we got obviously have linkedin as a very strong professional network so have you guys you know utilize those things
1: yeah i can i guess start so i guess there was networking pre-coronavirus and then that <laughs> <also> was <laughs> <coronavirus>. <laughs> So I guess, let me, let me talk first about pre-coronavirus and eventually we will you know, <laughs> go back to that, I think. But I mean, right. who knows, maybe we won't. <laughs> but, um, so I think events are really useful. So if you work for a big company, um, and a lot of times this company has events, even if it's any sort of social event, you know, um, happy hours and such. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are there and who are open to talk about anything. You often, at least at big companies, can see, um, you know, some executives who work in that building and can network with them. They're happy to talk to you and you can ask them all sorts of questions about the business. And I would, you know, encourage legitimate questions that you have to ask them about strategy and such. And they're more than happy to discuss it with you. Um, And then sometimes, too, you can just you don't have to talk about business. You can just say, are you a fan of sports? And you can talk about sports (laughs) or things like that, too. It's, I think it depends on the event when it's after work. Sometimes it's nicer to start more casually rather than talk about strictly work focused. If it's maybe a lunch event, then um, work focus sometimes makes more sense then. So right. kind of figuring out the situation you're in um, that's really good. And I would highly encourage if you are invited to events to attend a lot of times people feel nervous too, or they don't want to spend extra time after work because they just want to go home but it's definitely worthwhile. And then you start to kind of make your own brand and a name for yourself. And these execs remember talking to you and that's, that's always really good for your career Um, Um, outside of, yeah, outside of in like in a work environment, sometimes you can be invited to local um, places for just networking events with different companies and you can speak to people all over and showing an interest in, in others, I think is a really good tip. So asking other people, what they're working on, what they do, what they're interested in, passionate about, and then seeing if you have a mutual connection and then going from there. So if you're both into something and you can discuss it, that always is, is a really good way to network. Um, so that's kind of like the in-person networking and in then right now, obviously you can't do that in person, but if there are Zoom meetups, we have them at, at SAP, and I'm sure other places do as well it's a little harder in a zoom meeting because it's like everyone's in the same meeting. So you can't really have a one-on-one conversation Yeah. With someone. But um, I think if you attend and people see your face and if you ask a question when you have a chance, it's, it's a good option, it's, you know, not as good as in person, but it's, it's kind of what we're dealing with now. So that's definitely something I would encourage. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn, if there are meetups that, um, that are there and, I guess if they have like the smaller breakout groups functionality where you have like a small group and network within that group and then you kind of switch groups within a zoom call. I think that's useful. I haven't done one of those personally, but I think, yeah, I've heard of it and yeah. yeah, So yeah, I guess right now it's, it's a little bit of a tough time. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess one thing I would say is if you're passionate about, let's say corporate strategy or like, if you work in a business and you see the company making a decision that you feel like could be better, I think being vocal about it and even emailing someone who's way higher up and just saying, Hey, can we have a quick, uh, you know, one-on-one call? I'd love to discuss the strategy. And if you share your opinions and you have good points, I mean, that goes a long way. And so I definitely would encourage people to get out of their comfort zone. And sometimes it can be scary to email someone, who's way higher up than you are, and <laughs> yeah. sometimes you won't get a response, but then sometimes when you do, it's really, it's really cool. I'll say a past experience I had pre-corona, I was an intern at BNY Mellon, and I was able to um, schedule a one-on-one with the um, CEO of uh, either Treasury, Sur- I think it was Treasury Services at BNY Mellon. Wow. And his office was an entire floor, <laughs> really cool. I mean, I, I don't really f- do that. <laughs> Anymore, but um, yeah, it was <laughs> like, the coolest office I've ever seen. I'm sure he has like meetings with really, really rich clients, and that's why it's kind of like a showcase for them. But that's insane. It was the coolest thing ever. I mean, it was like one of the top floors at BNY Mellon in Pittsburgh. He had this whole floor, and it looked like a hotel or like a like. Imagine if you were to go to europe and see like the king's quarters it, it reminded me of that for some reason. so <laughs> oh, well, well. anyway
0: <laughs> vaulted Those ceilings yeah, yeah it's a very cool experience yeah. how so, are you john yeah
2: yeah personally for me uh actually <laughs> Have a website where I write wrote an article on this, but uh yes sir <laughs> I like this, but, uh, um, so um in in uh I'll take it from like an intern perspective and then from like early professional perspective, I think as an intern uh personally in my experience, the first year I was there, I kind of touched on like obviously I didn't really know much because I had just taken like one c s course, so a lot of my time literally was like. Learning how, like meeting people and just trying to figure out what everything was about and who did what and just reaching out to a bunch of people um, within the organization. So the first year that I interned, my manager, um, and I really thank her for this because it showed me a lot. Each week, she had me to um, like email a different person, didn't matter what level they are on to uh like within the it space of our organization um and book like a a one-on-one on their calendar to just talk about what they do whether it was um somebody worked in like uh automation or architecture or security or any different area um just to like talk to them so that's my first year I was able to meet so many people because I literally was just didn't like, and kind of what Ben touched on, like stepping out of your comfort zone, like, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when you're an intern, people know you're there to learn, like you're not full time. So they're more willing to take the time to speak with you about what they do or, you know, uh, give you advice because they realize that like, you know, you're trying to make these important decisions in your own life. So yeah, just, ended up meeting with a bunch of different people um, each week and learning a bunch of different things. Um, And also kind of to Ben's story had the opportunity to, you know, speak with the, like, have a call with the U S CIO one time uh, over, over our area. Um, And I mean, it was crazy. You know, he was, I think he was driving in his car in like Miami, but just like the fact that he, you know, took the time to speak with me. I was just like, it's crazy, you know, to just hear, you know, how they talk and just be able to (laughs) kind of even just speak to them and hear like, you know, how their day is going, kind of maybe not necessarily what they're working on, but just kind of what their thought process is on certain things and kind of the advice they have. And so, yeah, you know, um, I really like that point where, you know, just step out of your comfort zone and um, especially as an intern, be willing to just reach out to, whoever, of course, you know, have a goal in mind, have something that you um, send in the meeting invite, um, you know, and like Ben said, you may or may not get to meet with them, but a lot of times, I mean, you know, I was able to meet with, uh, you know, a handful of directors um, because, you know, well, directors or like, you know, uh, C-level leadership because, you know, I was an intern, I just reached out and I just wanted to, you know, do that. And I think something else that's super important to do is, especially as an intern, is when you're in these calls or in these meetings, um, whether virtually or in person, you know, these company meetings, like, speak up. You know, be the person yeah. to speak up, ask a question, say something, because they'll be like, ooh, you know, who is that? Like, <laughs> oh, I know them now, you know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah. and,
2: and, and, You know, people appreciate that. And, you know, that's kind of how you get your face out there. Because it's like, especially if you ask, like, make sure you have a well-thought-out question, (laughs) something like, you know, how's the weather today? You know, know, just have something that is, um, you know, thought-provoking and, like, shows that you're actually, like, um, interested in what they're speaking about you know sure. something that just kind of makes you stand out is super important as well because then you know you may have an opportunity later to speak with them again and you can bring that up or they can bring that up or you know something like that and I know that this is this is pre-corona but uh, the last internship I had we had um, like an intern event where we had an entire like c-level uh, of our organization there's so many sea levels within <laughs> within my area we had like the sea level um come out and we got a chance to network with them as interns and as nice. Kai kind of has been said like be it, like some I think some people may not have come to that event but it's just like you know they're right here like they're right here like just be here and You know, have some questions for them, show that you're interested, talk to them, especially the person that may be the CIO, like, you know, the CISO. So, like, the CISO was there, like, of course, I'm gonna try to go to the CISO and ask him about, (laughs) you know, what he, you know, he's worked at all these other huge companies. He's done crazy stuff for the Department of Defense. Like, that's like a goal model right there to just ask questions and learn more and get that connection. So, that's super important as well. And I think from an early professional perspective, I think it's just important to realize that, you know, you still have a long way to go. So don't, don't get complacent. You know, Mm. I think some people tend to get complacent, um, even within their first year because like, Oh, you know, I made it the full time now. So I'll, you know, I'll, 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 uh, move up the ranks, but that's not really just how it happens. You know, you kind of have to show some differentiation. You have to do something different kind of out of the box to, kind of separate yourself. So I think that that's important to realize is that, you know, still just be willing to reach out to people. If you're in, uh, if you're in a meeting, like participate, um, you know, be willing to like set up touch points with the leaders in your area to try to figure out, you know, what they did to get to that place or, um, you know, what you can do better in your role to make, to make a bigger impact or how you can even, um, how you can even just, uh, you know, learn more, quick, more quickly um, and what you really need to be focused on. And another thing I think that people don't really uh, think about is like having a mentor, having someone that you can, like a coach that you can just reach out to um, on a consistent basis. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be related to work all the time. Um, I mean, I I was told you can have like several coaches for like different things that you want to speak about. So you could have one like, you know, that this person helps you with like my career. And this person is just someone I just trust and talk to about how I'm feeling about, you know, work or, or, you know, just life in general. So I think that's something else that's important within the organization. I think that you should try to reach out to someone at a higher level than you uh would be great if it's a director or something in a area you want to go into. Um but yeah. you know just someone that you can reach out to and they can give you good advice on uh on where you know you need to go or where you want to go and you know how to get there. Um so that's that's kind of my spiel on that. But yeah.
0: Um, yeah and I think both of you guys covered that really well a lot of like the intricacies and um pragmatic day to day stuff you can do and to look out for. Uh, early career or during your internship and I just like wanna like uh, us re-emphasize what both of you guys touched on about being sort of vocal. Obviously networking isn't doesn't exist without being vocal right unless you're talking to people unless you're making these interactions you're not really networking. Um, And then also the idea of sort of like intention and so depending on you know your stage of career that intention could be like oh I'm looking for you know a new position or a higher position um but earlier on and even all the time i think a big intention of networking is just be like learning about you know what they do um what brought them there any tips you know for someone that's in your position um and especially i know a lot of people are trying to move especially from like a software engineer position to more of a pm technical lead where you're actually like a people manager and i think that especially you want to make that vocal make that hey I don't want to just be an engineer for the next you know 10 years um but make that intention of yours vocal and people will definitely will want to try to help you out um and yeah definitely approaching from sort of a learning perspective not like that you want a specific thing out of this relationship other than them to share their experiences um i could just like overall general networking tips that i've found um and we are sort of running pretty good while so i'll be respectful of your time so uh let's just wrap up with uh one skill you'd like to either would have developed or gotten into further before you started your full-time roles uh after college and this could be a skill that you would either um, get exposed to in you know school in the academic world or it could be from a professional experience but what was one skill you think you would have liked to uh deepen or grow um looking back on you know your college experience and pre pre-graduate experience <laughs> does that yeah. make sense
1: uh, yeah it makes sense i guess i'll start off so as a product manager kind of the skills required Instead of, I guess, a T like you were kind of referring to, I think it's more of a circle where you need to like have a grasp of almost everything from like, engineering to business to sales to marketing, to product, to sort of you need to be a jack of all trades kind of thing. Sure. Um, and I think one skill area that I kind of wish I had more of in college could be more so on like the sales marketing aspect. Mm. So I got an engineering focused degree. And learned technical skills and I took some like engineering management related classes where I learned some good like business skills and things that were related to product management a little bit but as far as sales and marketing I guess I never really took any classes on on that and I didn't have a whole lot of experience there so kind of coming in and learning how SAP sells and and markets their product and just how that whole thing works. I think it would have been better if I had maybe taken some classes in college related to sales and marketing, or even done my own uh, coursework on it. Just now that we have all these online like websites to go to, yeah, yeah. Udacity, Demi, um, even YouTube as well. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah, So sales and marketing, I think would be, would be nice to have prior to the role and, Mm. um, yeah, that's what I would have had. Cool. Yeah,
2: yeah personally for me, I think in cyber, um, I really would have liked to have taken, I don't even know if Andy offers any cyber course, but I would like to take like some, like a security course uh, in school if possible. I think it would have been a good, even though I kind of interned in it the summer before, I think it would have been good to kind of have like a technical course to kind of, um mm-hmm understand cyber more from a technical perspective although it's like very broad just kind of um a class to kind of give you a general one-on-one um, yeah like all the different um areas and kind of the tools that that they use um would have been cool to you know have gone into and and taken um i think that yeah because now i mean i'm i'm trying to kind of learn you know all the like get a get a cert um a certificate to kind of learn all of the different areas uh like the security plus a pretty general base knowledge one that uh you know most beginning people in cyber want to get so mm. you know now i'm having to do that which i probably would have done anyway but it would have been nice to um have had that option in school to you know kind of learned about that stuff
0: yeah and even get the certification even yeah
3: yeah yeah cool
0: yeah um Yeah, thank you for both of you sharing that. I think for me, especially since I sort of joined or decided I want to go in the tech industry late, would just have been getting earlier exposure to that and sort of been less stubborn with chemical engineering because I definitely could have probably dropped it after the first half of my sophomore year, but I decided to finish up my sophomore year with it. And I think just having even just a semester head start would have made it a lot easier. academically but then also I would have been able to go into a little bit more depth um and be a little bit more technically proficient coming out of college than during it um so yeah I'd say that's probably my my main thing socially I felt like I was doing fine and like working with other people um yeah well that concludes uh the third episode thank you ben Scalar, jonathan stewart uh for being my guests thanks. um i think we covered a lot of good topics um and spread a lot of really useful information and advice uh for those people you know around our age or even earlier um so yeah i just want to appreciate both of you guys for being on my podcast all right thanks yeah God.
1: thanks up uh, yeah thanks so much for having
3: me yeah no problem